bearded. Biomed. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to an all-new episode of your favorite hit podcast, Bearded Biomed. I am joined with a friend of the show. You'll get to know him very quickly. We're going to hit a, you know, just all kind of topics that just come to mind today. I am joined with Ryan Gonzalez. Ryan, appreciate you being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, appreciate the invite. Excited to be here and just, uh, you know, talk about whatever topics come up or share my story. And, and hopefully uh, we can learn from each other here. So I, I know you're one of those folks and you got a plethora of experience that I think both people that share the same position or have the amount of tenure along with even the newer people entering the field can all gain something from it. I'm sure I'll learn something. I kind of learn and take something from every interview at one point in time. So sure. uh, before I hit record, we were talking offline just a little bit um, about the dynamics first off of uh biomeds uh organization biomed societies uh which you you help facilitate the the one for uh ohio and uh how how long you been doing that yeah so uh i've been with the the htma association of ohio for probably coming up on six years um i started as just volunteering and without any real structure i just started you know helping out how can i help plan meetings, whatever. Uh, eventually I became an official board member. And now for the past three years, I've been serving as the vice president for the organization. So it's been pretty fun. We've grown it from when we first started, uh, or when I first joined the board, putting on events was a huge obstacle because we didn't have any money or any budget to actually put on an event. And now we built it to a point where we've got um, a little surplus in the bank where we can plan and pay for events and hope people show up. Uh, where used used to be it was the opposite. <laughs> no, y'all have built it out. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize the legwork behind managing, you know, biomed societies. Um, I've spoken in the past about when I put together podcasts, I don't ever want stuff to be sales pitchy. And I think it's how we started the conversation was that, you know, it's hard to organize biomeds in general. Um, I usually say biomeds are not necessarily social creatures outside of work. Now we, we have to be for work because communication is one of the key instruments of a biomed, but usually in our off time, that's when we kind of like wind down, we, we shut off. We don't really, we're very many biomeds. I know we're introvert. I'm, I'm very introverted myself. Yeah. Off no, you know, I you wouldn't believe it, but I am, I'm, I'm, <laughs> a, I'm a homebody, man. Um, but it's funny you say that because when we first started um, our HTMA association, we used to host meetings at hospitals. And I remember we hosted uh, an association meeting at this big 900-bed hospital. They got a full staff of biomeds. Uh, we were providing free pizza, free uh, class on defibs for, with CE credits. And nobody, not a single biomed from that shop showed up to the meeting. We even made sure we started it right after their shift ended. They all went home. We had like two other people who came from other hospitals. Um, but we just, it took us a while to figure out what, what is really going to bring that engagement. And in some cases, it doesn't matter what we do. Folks aren't going to show up. So then it became, well, how do we really broaden our reach to get to other hospitals? Because, um, at the time we didn't. We didn't really know all the leaders within the industry as we were coming up, you know, the social media and this kind of stuff was still somewhat new. I didn't have a presence on on LinkedIn or anywhere. So the hardest part was getting biomeds to show up, um, especially if they thought it was going to be a sales pitch. And they're like, yeah, you know, I got I got better things to do. I got to get home to the family or, or whatever it may be. So um, we really grown from that. Um and the other thing what we've done is to try to make it easier for them. So we shifted from a lot of in-person meetings after work to uh, lunch and learn uh, during during work hours. Uh, everyone's eating lunch. Um, that's that's helped too, as well. So and then trying to bring like more troubleshooting stuff that's more impactful for your average everyday biomed or imaging yeah. person. Like, but uh, this year we did a, a microscope class, you know, troubleshooting on uh, your standard lab microscopes. And we did an MX40 class, you know, things actually right. helpful. It's it's hard to define the right sauce, right? To make, yeah. make sometimes define technical stuff, uh, which, you know, we're all in the field. We, we enjoy technical aspect of it. 
but trying to make it come across sexy sometimes where it's appealing <laughs> for people to be like, you know, I want I want to go to that. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, the, the, the biomed, you know, society meetings where it's like PowerPoint presentations are like everybody hates them, but yet yeah. I still hear that they occur from time to time. So we still do a little bit of that. Um, like for instance, so at the um, February 2nd, we have our big conference coming up where we kind of have it split up. We have like a biomed room where all the classes in that are kind of more biomed associated. We have an imaging room where we're doing classes that can appeal to your imaging tech. And then we have our leadership. Uh, sometimes those leadership classes are a lot more of those PowerPoints. It's, yeah. uh, but that's kind of the nature of, of that. To be fair though, this is, this is y'all's annual conference. Like this yes. is where everybody gets together. Absolutely. Uh, you're doing them like on a month to month basis as some societies get together you know that we we had one in texas that i i, I honestly i said i wasn't really interested in going to it was a, <laughs> it was a nurse call uh, uh dude i already hate nurse call i don't want to <laughs> drive 40 minutes in the dallas just to you know right. relive my my ptsd of nurse call <laughs> so Nurse call is a tricky subject because not all biomed shops take care of nurse call either. Yeah, it's well, it's very, you know, it's one of those things that you'll definitely find on that uh, Amy Gray area report. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I love looking at that report because there's so many things like, okay, uh, uh, this hospital, okay, yep, they do wheelchairs. That hospital, it's facilities. Yep. They don't do wheelchairs, beds, any of that sort of stuff. So it's, it's starting to surprise me. Uh, company I work for, we keep coming across all these facilities that uh, Biomed does not take care of hospital beds. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's so how odd I came to me. In. But the, it, it's, apparently it's a commonality and you know, that's I've, I've repaired more beds in <laughs> over the years than I care to remember. Uh, but honestly, I think it's a good when I, whenever I train new technicians, one of the number one things I ha that I have noticed when getting them into uh, troubleshooting and tool craft and, you know, getting into the complexity of what things do. Like I've seen that hospital beds are one of the easiest mediums for them really to kind of get in, dive in, understand why this works, why that works. Yeah. Use a modicum of tools that you may not use on like smaller devices, like a blood pressure pump or something. So so I never did. I never did hospital beds. Uh, the organization I came up with. I spent 15 years at Ohio Health as a biomed or biomed supervisor, and we didn't do hospital beds. Uh, but but I did. I was for a long part of the that time. I was part of. Uh, I took. I was over in NICU, so I did all their infant warmers, which is very similar. Um, I mean, obviously they're different, but you know, a lot of mechanical, a lot of different moving parts to take off. You're dealing with mattresses and and yeah different aspects Dude, of that. these newer beds now like uh striker's got one it's called the procuity mm -hmm. it looks it looks like a corvette <laughs> and just just the four foot board by itself is like over 20 grand to replace it yeah it's, it's crazy it's got all these little it's it's crazy like how intuitive these beds are becoming like it's very much almost like a smart vehicle yeah <laughs> and, and it's going to get more and more that way, uh, especially now with um, with Welsh Allen and and I think was it Stryker being under the same umbrella or no, it was a Hill, Hill Rom purchased yes. Welsh Allen and then Baxter purchased Hill Rom. Yeah, it's everything's just kind of consolidating. Um, that's usually, I mean, just think about all the companies that we used to have back in the day, OEM wise, mm -hmm. and Stryker absorbed so many of them. Yep. GE and absorbed GE. so many of them. <laughs> it makes like, it harder to clean up a, a CMMS database these days. It's like, okay, well, there used to be Alaris, and now that yeah. was Carefusion. It's like, who owns them now? It, it's kind of been fun to be part of that evolution of as um, all these different um, these different organizations start buying each other, and then everything becomes more technical. Everything becomes integrated into something some sort of software some sort of network um how we as biomed industry have to shift with that too um, i mean we are already the jack of all trades and it's like hey let's just add one more thing under our cap right <laughs> well my concern when it comes to oem consolidation 
which it's not always the case, but sometimes it can be very cumbersome. Uh, you'll have a large OEM buy out a smaller and it becomes essentially a subsidiary of it, or it just, they just buy out the rights to a certain equipment. Mm-hmm. And usually the support dwindles very quickly on the company that got sold its rights to stuff. And unfortunately, a lot of that stuff is still in a lot of facilities. So then you yeah. got to end up going third party resources, or you'll have those companies go out there and buy everything they had left on the shelf, hoard that stuff. And then that's kind of become their baseline for support. Yeah, I would think we've all been, most of us have been through that with one device or another. And you, yeah. you go to call with your, because I always kept a spreadsheet of all my uh, tech support phone numbers. Same. And you go to call and like, wait, did I dial the wrong, the, the wrong phone number? I thought I was calling, you know, Gambro. And next thing you know, ba- Baxter answers the phone. And um, yeah, it, keeping up with the documentation, parts available, especially if they start changing the part numbers, makes it hard. I've been through that. Um, yeah, and Man, as you said, managing the, the OEM vendor cheat sheet, as I like to call it, you know, all the different accounts. Um, I know it was right at the end of last year, uh, striker, for instance, they changed their whole system. So mm. what, all prior accounts that those became completely different because it was a matter of liability. So what they did was, is basically you had an account number for ship to and sold to. So it just, it made more stuff confusing at the time. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's just one of those things like you gotta, it's, it's almost its own job duty at this point of managing OEM vendor, you know, all the, all that kind of stuff. Right. And, and if you're within an organization that doesn't have a good um, support staff or administration staff, or um, it gets even harder. You know, I spent a lot of my years with an in-house biomed program and we didn't have any support staff. There was no admin person. There was nobody who was doing contracts for us or sourcing. Every biomed was almost on their own trying to keep track of it uh, themselves. It, and it, it becomes a lot harder. Um, now I'm with I'm with Sodexo now, and they've got people to help you with this sort of thing. I'm like, oh, this is like a whole different world. I'll have that infrastructure. Yes, exactly. Uh, I, I was in a couple hospitals week or two ago and i had i had met with the an in-house biomed team they had there because they were asking us for support you know third party to come in and just give them an extra hand and the the level of support and um the autonomy that let's say like for instance sodexo has compared to some of the other programs out there under these banner health systems or uh hospitals that are under you know this large systems some have way more resources than others. These guys, I felt really bad for them just because they used to have three techs. Now they're down to two. One should have retired years ago, but he's not because he doesn't want to leave his uh, the other guy by himself because they've asked and <laughs> provided proof and numbers and cost multitudes of times to, you know, at least get another body in there or at the bare minimum, find people, you know, hire somebody to track down equipment for them to do PMs. Yeah. Um, I, I spoke to them beginning of January and he was telling me they have PMs that are backdated from July. That's Unfortunately, how that's, that's, that's not unusual like, when I talk oh, to some of these in-house <laughs> programs. And that's, that's, that's where I started um, with a, a big in-house program with a very small leadership. Um, and it doesn't like you, some of the best technicians I've ever dealt with were, I worked with at those accounts, but it made it really hard. You know, when I started, I started fresh out of, out of college there, uh, well, I actually started as an intern there and then they hired me on full time afterwards. But when I started, it was basically, Hey, we're all really busy. So here's your PM list. Here's your PM manuals. Uh, let me know if you have any questions. Yeah. And, and and I know a lot of biomeds who start that way uh, because these in-house programs, if they're not under some bigger umbrella, a lot of times they don't have, you know, processes. They don't have um, any sort of cross training. They don't have programs to help uh, onboard. It's, you know, hopefully you've got a good lead technician there who's going to hold yeah. your hand and guide you through the process. Um that and the well, supply chain they, is going to know their struggles. 
Right. Well, that's one of the, the, the other issues is a lot of these in-house programs, very few of them that I see are actually their own department. They report up through a supply chain or through yep. facilities or through IT and their leadership structure at like the director level, they have other priorities. You know, what for a long time I reported um, up through an IT director who was over the Epic application. So he was a phenomenal leader, but he was an Epic application director who reported to an epic vp and he had biomed thrown under him so he wanted i don't i think at least at first he struggled with how to handle our department and then two he realized well they're pretty self-sufficient i can just let them do their thing and and therefore we didn't really have any any sort of uh guidance any sort of um somebody fighting for us at that c-suite level uh and and that's what i see at other in-house programs is above that manager level you don't really get a lot of people fighting for you because they don't understand what it is you do i think that's why it's so critical now that we have the community built like we do nowadays Mm -hmm. like i think to what you you and me are describing and you think back to the ogs that were doing it in the same capacity they didn't have the internet they didn't have the you know, everything that's been built over the past couple of decades. So, I mean, nowadays we got LinkedIn and Facebook groups and discords and yeah. all, all just different resources. Yeah. Um, you felt like you were on your own. Yeah. Uh, and, and that it's not even like, we're not talking 20, 30 years ago. We're talking five years ago. It, mm-hmm. you know, it's really started to pick up with, you know, shows like this and, and other different social media presence. And, um, you know, I've, got a lot from just LinkedIn connecting with different people on there who are doing the same thing we're trying to do. Um, but maybe they're doing a little bit better. Um, and that's part of what we're, I've been trying to do and promote with the HTMA association is like, Hey, let's get all these folks who are at hospitals in the same city, even let's get us together and, and see how we can make each other better because, um, yeah, maybe one hospital's Trimedics and another one's Sodexo and another's in-house, but we're all really trying to do the same thing, the same work. We're struggling with some of the same processes, uh, especially on some of these big topics. Well, this, this is a good transition point, too, to where building that network infrastructure and building relationships are not only going to serve you as just facilitating your job as a biomed, but when you're transitioning and trying to move up the the career ladder, uh, there's there's a lot of things ahead of you that you may not be privy to that, you know, maybe somebody in a more senior level that you might get to know can assist you with getting to that level. Um, That's why they say, you know, find a mentor. Um, Yeah. Which is not always as easy as it sounds. I I read that all the time. Like, Hey, you know, reach out to somebody, ask if they, they can mentor you. But like I said, it's, it's not that easy. That's something I struggled with for, for years of my career. I was, I was probably nine years into my career as a biomed and um, I didn't understand at that point in time, how to create network connections. I didn't understand the concept of, of career mobility and trajectory. Uh, I grew up from a really poor household, really poor family. So for me, I was always raised, you get a job that pays the bills. You get your little 3% raise every year. And and as long as you're, um, you're paying your bills, you're doing good. Um, and it took me a long time to start registering that, you know, maybe I am capable of more, maybe I can do more, but it's not going to just come to me. You know, you have to start building those connections, uh, building those skill sets. And it's not just the biomed skill sets. Like you said, it's it's all those soft skills, understanding the processes on the, why things are happening, not just what you're doing. So, well, I mean, I came from very similar background and it looking back now to the person I was when I graduated high school and was going to college to where I am now, I feel like I'm a completely different person. I didn't have the the social skills. Um, I was very I public like it's it's still surprising me thinking back like the fact that I'm doing a podcast and public speaking and stuff like that. I would have never done that back then. Um my entire tenure in the army kind of brought me out of my shell a little bit in regards to building work ethic, that kind of stuff. But I didn't really come into my own of who I wanted to be or who I see myself as until honestly 
just about 30 years old and I'm about to turn 35 next month. Um, I think a lot of people put um, excess pressure on themselves to meet a certain level of who they expect themselves to be or achieve certain things. And if they don't get it right at the time frame or don't meet those expectations, they kind of feel that like they might as well not try. Yeah. Well, everyone's comparing to themselves to what they see on, on LinkedIn right. or wherever. I, I fell victim to that. Cause I was, so I remember I was about year nine as a biomed, you know, I was hitting 30, 31, whatever that age. And, and I started thinking, actually, what really started it as all is my wife and I got pregnant with our third kid and we lived in this small house and was, uh, we had a small car. It's like, Hmm, I guess I, I better start trying to think about what's next for, for me so I can provide better for my family. Cause you know, I started at the very bottom of the pay scale as a BMET and got my 3% raise every year. So nine years in, I was doing BMET three work and probably making low end BMET two money. Cause I just didn't, yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know that I, there was these resources out there that I could go and compare salaries across organizations. I didn't know how to go and look for jobs at other places. So I just stayed where I was. I was happy and, and I love the people I work with. So it was good. Um, so when I tried to start thinking what's next, I didn't know how to build that bridge from being a really good biomed to being a good leader. And, um, I will tell you, I remember I was in an interview one time for a manager position and I absolutely tanked that interview. I was about halfway through it. And I even told myself about halfway, I'm like, there's no way I'm getting this job. They're asking all these questions that I don't have a good answer for. I don't understand time. I didn't understand all of the, the leadership skills. I didn't understand how to build processes. Like I was a really good biomed. Um, and yeah. I could, I was doing a lot of projects, a lot of different things that uh, were even outside of my normal biomed duties, but I didn't know how to justify, should we get a contract or should we not? I didn't know how to um, interview somebody. I barely knew how to be interviewed because those are all different skill sets that it's, it took me a, a long time to learn. You, man. Yeah. Like, when you cross that threshold, you don't realize the amount of skills and just different things you got to be privy to. Right. And, and even, even though I've made that transition, I still like, there's still, there's still stuff. That's why people always say when you're in a leadership position, you constantly are learning. You're constantly having to reach out and grasp new concepts and yeah. improve as a leader because you have to, there's just so many different, you, you have to be able to do what the leadership requires and also be able to do the, the job and mentor those under you. Yeah. So you, That's you have to wear multiple hats. Yeah, I, I remember coming out of that interview, I was like so down on myself. Um, but instead of just giving up, I went through um, in my organization at the time, they had a bunch of training classes that were open for anyone. And I just I remember I just searched leadership and I took every class that I could take for free on, you know, the seven hab habits of highly effective people or all these different things. Um <laughs> Yeah, so like I just started digging into all these different things that they had available, and some of it clicked right away, and some of it was like, I don't really understand this, but I'm going to try. And um, you know, I got ended up getting promoted to a supervisor, and and even from there, it's like, okay, what what can I do next? Because I never quite felt I was ready for that next step. So um, I I got some uh, reimbursement money for through the hospital. And I enrolled in my master's and, and that was a game changer too, because so I did a, a master's of information systems management and it's kind of like being a biomed, but on the it side, cause it jumped right. through, through how to lead all these different it departments, um, and ways. And I was able to connect a lot of that into our normal HTM and biomed world on, you know, here's how you lead a software implementation. Here's how you lead a project. Here's how um, you, here's how you prepare a presentation for the same presentation, but for a director level versus a CIO level, you know, it's the same information, but you have to communicate it different ways. Like yeah. learning all these different soft skills um, that I thought would hopefully prepare me for the next step because uh, again, as we're going back to, we talk about being an introvert, uh, being in an interview with someone who's two or three levels above you, that was super nerve wracking or giving a presentation in front of, um, a bunch of people, I, I, I would be shaken like literally. 
It, when I when I took off a little bit of time for the show, um, I would every now and then I'll go back and listen to like some of my earlier episodes. They were so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I had never done this before. Threw out so many ums and you knows, and I was just like nervous, and I didn't know if I was communicating what I wanted to say properly. Yeah, I just I, I was on edge the whole time in the very beginning, and now people are like, "You're so good at this." I'm like. Do you realize that I'm like on like episode 50, 60 something? So I like every time I've kind of yeah. tweaked things, made things a little bit better. It, it goes very much like that with just in general of it, learning skills. Yeah. Well, and it's funny. I tell people the same thing about um, well, I've, I've mentored folks who are trying to get to the next position and they're going into interviews. And so I've done some mentorship on how to interview better and it's absolutely a skill set. And I say, you know, take whatever interview you can get at just for the practice. What kind of questions are they going to ask um, and how you're going to answer those? Because I can't tell you how many times I was in an interview where they asked me a question and I kind of gave an answer. But then when I'm driving home later that day, I'm like, oh, man, I should have said this. That would have been the best answer I could have given. So um, having those examples written down or having practiced through them a bunch of times, um, uh, even though it's still you, you're not exaggerating yourself. You're not uh, lying about anything. It's just you're representing yourself in a more truthful way is, is how I like to put it. And the other thing I always tell folks is sometimes the person interviewing you is just as nervous as you are being interviewed because <laughs> it's not part of their everyday life either. <laughs> and more than likely, you're not the only interview that day. I've, I've, I've right. had someone who had like five interviews in a row. I'm like, Oh my God. Uh, how, how can I pick or choose? Like, what do I like about this person? Uh, yeah. Maybe I need to ask this question differently this way because I didn't like how I asked it this one. Like there's stuff going through the interviewee's mind too, which right. I would say, so let's go through like some of the things that from a mentorship capacity, what you kind of coach or mentor your, the folks that you talk to on how to break into that leadership mold. Um, yeah. I, one thing I will say about your, the interview aspect is I get reached out to all the time from people. Hey, I want to get this job and breaking into this, breaking into that. Usually if you don't get the job, the number one thing I recommend is reaching back out to the interview or that job person you yeah. had contact with and asking, um, what could I have done better? Or what, what did you like about my interview? What didn't you like? Or why possibly did I not get the position? Just, and, you know, yeah. the details you're going to get with that are going to be mixed, but right. it, will, it you, will prep you and set you up for success on the, the next one. I agree. Uh, and sometimes you might not get a response. I've had yeah, that. Where sure. I reached out and asked for and, and there was no response. But um, one thing I, I, I try to tell folks um, if they're trying to break into leadership is one, you have to start looking at leadership as that different skill set. Uh, you'd be the best biomed in the world, and that doesn't qualify you to be uh, a leader in the industry um, because the skill sets are a little bit different. You know, um, I try to tell people to focus less on problems and more on solutions um, is a really big thing. And then continually to build up the things you've done outside of just that the PM break fix stuff. Have you been involved in projects and in integrations? Are you coordinating with different folks around the hospital? Um, that goes a long way. If you go into an interview for a leadership position and you can talk about how you coordinated different stakeholders for, you know, different groups and IT group and nursing groups and uh, not just within your own little biomed bubble. You know, if you're in the hospital, there's a hundred different departments and they all think they're the most important department in the hospital. So how you navigate those things is really important. Um, and then the other thing I talk about a lot is, especially when you're in an interview, sometimes the way you answer a question is really important. Um, you know, I'll give an example of a question I had that. I, I did not have a good answer for originally is uh, when you're moving into a management or above position, you're going to get asked about your ability to do budgets. Um, and at that point in time, I didn't have any experience doing a budget. Uh, so if somebody asked me like, have you done budgeting? Are you familiar with the budget process? If I truthfully, I would answer 
uh, no, I've, I've not done budgeting before. I feel like I'm capable of doing it. Um, I've seen it done. You know, that that's would be my original answer. But as you learn, um, you know, a better answer would be is to highlight not just what you've done, but what you know you can do. So instead of saying, no, I've not done that before, you can say, no, I haven't. Uh, that's not part of my current role, but I've sat down with my existing manager and we he's walked me through what the budget process is. I understand how it works, even though I haven't done it. And as part of my schooling, I've taken a class on accounting. And so I understand how to do some of these processes. And I feel very comfortable having that task in the future. So it, it's the same answer. And you're not lying. You're not exaggerating. You're just setting up what you're capable of better. So being able to provide a little bit more um, information on what you've learned versus what you've done sometimes will let, allow them to check the box that, okay, yeah, I think he'd be fine doing budgets, um, even though you've not done it, you know, just as an example. So that being able to expand and have really good examples on things you've done, I think is really important. Well, because not every, everybody's going to have their strength sets, right? So right. you're going to have people that have had, let's say, more of a capacity on maybe dealing with the accounting side like you're talking about. So like budgeting, uh, mm -hmm. return on eye for contract negotiation or uh, training management. So if I send a tech here, you know, what's going to be the eventual ROI on that for, you know, all that kind of deal. Or you can have yeah. people that have experience with. The other aspect of it, maybe just leading a team, so managing KPIs, what the performance index. There's, and then you got people that maybe have not done any of that, and then you have people that have you know been involved in a joint commission or a DMV survey. Right. You know, everybody so, has a strength set. Lean into no, this it. This is a great point. This is something that I think is really important for folks to understand when they're trying to break into leadership. There's not a right or wrong way to lead, and there's not just one type of leader. You know, you can be a driver based off analytics and you're really process oriented and your department's going to going to function really well because you put really good processes in place. Or you could be a really good like the coaching leader where you're going to build a great team because you, you know, you understand how to motivate folks and you're bringing them to build their own conclusions. You know, there's all these different types of leaders and you need to figure out where your strengths are and then how to highlight that to whoever you want to hire or you want them to hire you uh, when you're in that interview process. So the questions they ask you, you can take that question and lead it to where you're strong. I like that. Mm -hmm. Build, build the path of their question to lead right. you where you need to be. Yeah. The other thing that's good to know when you're in an interview, they, there's a good chance that person wants you to be, the person they hire or they wouldn't be interviewing you. They don't want to have to go back to the drawing board and, and keep interviewing more people or reaching out for more resumes. Every person who enters that room that they're interviewing, they want to be the best candidate. And all you got to do is, it is, is so hard fighting qualified candidates for positions is. you want. Yes. Um, one of the things that I had to learn or kind of make myself understand is you know, I, I've been with the same company, but I have applied to other positions, you mm -hmm. know, because I, I will eventually I foresee myself in a director level position because I know I could do that job. But there's also going to be aspects of me learning. But years ago, when I was going through that whole process, when I didn't have a CHTM, when I didn't have a CBET, when I just had gotten my bachelor's in management and I was applying for these roles and I was I was getting denied, getting denied, getting denied. And some, some like we had talked about, gave me responses back to why or what they liked or whatever. And a lot of the time it was, uh, I lost out on those positions. One, because I didn't have the credentials. Two, because I didn't have the level of experience at the time or the have done the job enough to their liking for a certain amount of time. So I, I needed to sit down and one of the things that I tell my techs that want promotions, that want raises, that want to go after training, the best thing you can do for yourself when you're going after something for careers is you want to take the wind out of their sails to tell you no. What I mean by that is if you go after and get the things that you know you probably need to have before they even ask you for it, 
it's less of a reason they tell you no. That's one thing that I like to tell folks is is always be preparing for what's next in your exactly. career. Don't so wait wherever for you're at now. Yeah, and you can even prepare. Like that was part of why um, why I got my master's, not just because. Extra, like I got my master's when I was a supervisor because in my head, my thought was I'm going to be a director one day. And at the organization I was at, you couldn't be a director without a master's degree. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get it now and I'm going to be pre- prepared. I'm not even the manager yet, but I'm already trying to prepare myself for what's next down the line. Not because I was trying to be arrogant or trying to be something I wasn't. Is, is I just really wanted to keep getting better. And that was my philosophy. What can I keep learning? How can I keep building on myself and and preparing to um, where it is I want to go? So I I like to look at it um, in terms of here's where I'm at now. Here's where I want to go. What does it take to get there? And just let's do that. Right. (laughs) There's there's things that you can control and there's things you can't. The things that you can control are things that you can go after, put your time, energy, money into. Yeah. I also look at it as for people that want to be in that kind of role, the people you're going to be sitting across from and let's say those C-suite meetings or whatever, they're probably going to have a certain level of credentialism to where you want to, you know, be as credible to where your voice carries to where they, you know, respect you as a colleague. But I was the, the, episode, the last episode I did, I was talking to uh, Donald Armstrong and uh, David Scott, the guys that do the, the CBET training for Amy. And one of the things we we had discussed was there's a line in the sand in our field, whereas there's the credentialed, the certified people, and there's the not certified people. Yeah. And then there's there's kind of the the running joke of the people that are certified. Well, those are just people that are acronym chasers. You know, the people that have like 10 certs after their name. Well, (laughs) there, there is a level that kind of gets tedious there, but I, I, I wish more folks would be interested in adding to their credentials as opposed to just saying, I got the job experience. Right. And that's been a tricky one. Um, as I visited different hospitals, um, I see it go both ways where mm-hmm. some there's, it, they're very encouraged to get the CVET or a credential because um, it's going to help them further their career. And, and I've seen other hospital systems where, they don't, there's no benefit to having it other than it's, personal it's, satisfaction. It is situational. It is for sure. Right. Like I know folks that have uh-huh. been doing this three times as long as myself. There's no point in them going to get in the CVET when they're already in position. Right. They're in. Yeah. But for the younger folks that are trying to break into the industry or trying to move up within the industry, mm-hmm. how are you going to set yourself apart from your Exactly. Father? It's a differentiator. Like n- not just that you were able to get it, but it, for me, it shows that you, one, you're really interested in being better. You're really interested in um, trying to do what it takes to get to the next level. You want to keep learning. Um, you know, I, I think I always put a little bit of stock into those who are actively trying to improve. And that's 100% part of it. You know, getting a certification, which shows that they've learned on these different topics. So I, I always encourage that. Well, from a manager standpoint, let's say we're we're trying to decide who to send somebody to for OEM training. Yeah. Are you going to pick the technician that's a go getter that is you know hungry to learn to grow to take on more? Or are you going to pick the technician that just does his job, does the bare minimum, nine to five call today? No, you're going to pick the person that you can actively see investing in that makes it worth them. I, right. I don't. I don't believe in the the mantra that uh, provide resources, training, and opportunities just because you are a certain level of senior tenure. Mm-hmm. No, because it, that that doesn't measure your 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 heft as a technician, as a person. Well, yeah, and especially some of that specialty training, where you know, the truth is, anything that's like life support. These are the certain devices. You want the right quality person because you want someone who's going to have the attention to detail when they're working on life support equipment and they're motivated to do a good job because it's just like when I'm fixing equipment and I'm imagining that one day my loved one or relative is going to be on this equipment. Same thing when I'm thinking about who am I going to send a training on, you know, ventilators or an imaging device. Um, I think, do I think that they will 
would I trust a piece of equipment that they're going to fix if my yep. grandmother's walking through the door sort of thing? Exactly. So, um, and, and unfortunately that's the reality of, of our industry. A lot of the equipment we touch is go, going right on a patient the very next day, the very, very next hour we return it from, from service. Man, <laughs> I, I, I love talking this stuff. <laughs> I, that's why I have a show, folks, because I can talk biomed all day, every day. Like, well, there's, there's for me, it's, it's cool because there's so many cool topics involved with biomed. Yeah. Like, we're and it's it's funny. There's very few people I've ever talked to in the, in the industry that like group came up in high school and in college and was like, man, I really want to be a biomed. Like, so many folks I interact with within HTM or biomed. They came from some completely different background. They they fell into biomed almost on accident, uh, and it, <laughs> there's so many fun stories around it. That is that is one of my goals before I retire to change that story. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have the exact answer how it's going to happen, but that is one of my my life goals to, you know, whoever's coming up and be like, oh well, I I heard about it through Beard of Biomed, or I heard about it or learned about it from reading Ollie yeah. the Biomed or uh, <laughs> hopefully soon a documentary that I'm going to start trying to work on. Like there's, there's so many different avenues that we could touch that we could probably do better on as, a, as you know, well, yeah. community I mean, in general. everyone and probably everyone who's listening to this today, uh, they know that that's one of our big problems in the industry is getting folks into it from a young age. Um, that recruiting's hard. I mean, everywhere I've ever been been at, um, the recruiting aspect of trying to get a new biomed or imaging person is really difficult. You actually the the way I became I came into biomed was um, my mom. She works in the microbiology lab at a major hospital in Columbus, and that and the lab just so happened to be right across the hall from the biomed shop, and they had an internship. Uh, posted for a long time and nobody applied because nobody knew what a biomed intern was. So their whole biomed internship program got built off of um, employees around the hospital who had a son or daughter who were um, who just so happened to be going to an engineering school. So they, hey, yep, mechanical engineer, electrical engineer, biomedical engineer. If, if they need an internship, we need somebody down here in the shop to help us. Uh, and that's how at least at that organization, that's how we got a huge percentage of our interns because we didn't that's get applicants. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I also think we need to do a better job at probably presenting the job, the profession. I mean, obviously it is a very rewarding um, for you mm -hmm. as a technician, maybe not some coming from the outside all the time, but <laughs> I feel like we need to also be real about it. It's not easy. You're you're no. constantly having to learn new things. You always you have to be accountable. You have to have attention to detail. Um, I was I was speaking to somebody the other day, and we had a Zoom call, and we hadn't seen each other in a long time. It's just like you look tired. I'm like, yeah, this <laughs> this kid shit's hard. It's just like because she just had a, a a kid, and she's like, I appreciate you being real about that. I'm like, why why do we just just from that like why do we just have to always present it's the instagram thing right yeah everything is beautiful and pageanty and uh always has to pre be presented great like there's there's also there's beauty in you know the struggle as well uh one of the sure. one of the things we used to say in the army is embrace the suck uh yeah <laughs> it's one of justice barber's favorite things he likes to say all the time it's uh, it's it's I tricky mean, because you're right um not i mean just like with any job, it, there's going to be days where it's not as easy as other days. Um, our workloads are getting bigger. The yeah. amount of facilities we have to support to getting grows every day. Um, and it's really hard for a lot of hospitals to justify adding an additional biomed or imaging person because we are not revenue generating in terms of uh, uh, our department. And if when you're within a hospital system and your department does not generate revenue, um, it's really hard to justify adding more more people. And that's not just a biomed problem. That's yeah. something that I see with in the lab and with 
you know, EVS, when all these other support departments, they're getting asked the same way biomed support more patient rooms, more hospitals with the same staff because um, you're a cost to the organization. So we have to go through different hoops to try to justify our jobs or not necessarily our jobs, but why we're here and why we need more help. Um, so when we talk to new folks coming into the industry, I tend to talk to them about all the positives uh, about the, about the, the industry, like yeah. the camaraderie of a biomed shop is phenomenal. Um, I, I absolutely love you go into the biomed shop. Everyone, not everyone, mo most folks are, they're in a good mood. They've got really good job security. We've got really good uh, flexibility in terms of our, yeah. our hours. And, and that's really hard to come by. And a lot of, a lot of jobs. Well, it's one of the coolest things like you're describing when you, you start your day and you're in, you're in there with, with your team mm -hmm. and you, you, it's almost like you're, you're preparing for, to go to war with each other. Yeah. Like you're, 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 you're gearing up for battle for the day. What are we going to tackle? What's your assignment? What are you doing? And it's like that, that camaraderie that you're speaking of, it's, it's, it's legitimate. I, I usually like, I, I'm a pretty positive person, but I also, uh, one of my mantras is, Plan for the worst, hope for the best. Absolutely. And I just kind of approach my entire life like that. Even when I'm bringing on technicians, I'm like, more than likely, things are going to go pretty well for you. But in the event that they do not, and you know, with this repair or whatever, you have support. You can ask questions. It's not the end of the world. But I also like to just kind of steer, you know, how they approach the job as well. Sure. Because one of the, I had a technician that I had hired. Uh, about it was over a year ago he had came from a different industry and he was excited to be a biomed he got after it and then after a few months he just it wasn't for him anymore what well, can and be like, really stressful too yeah and it, it it sucks because i i know that we we need more biomeds i love energetic youth i love people that you know see the value in the profession mm -hmm. and then when i see somebody wanting to leave the profession like that shit just hurts my heart. Like, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, what, what could I have done better or, you know, supported him better? But it was just honestly, after I had a discussion after he left, it was just more of, he was more passionate about going back to the sector that he had left. Sure. I, I'm, I'm like, that's, I'm, that's okay. Be honest. And, and maybe this isn't something that a lot of, you know, folks who are, who are promoting biomed want to hear, but I think one of the best parts about, being a biomed, that jack of all trades, is that it does do a really fantastic job of preparing us to potentially go into other career fields too. So that's something I talk to young people who are in the industry about is being a, be a, being a biomed can be a lifelong career, but it is also going to potentially prepare you to, to jump into something else you're really interested in. And, and my goal as a leader is to continue to build you up and make you better. And if that means that you might leave, yeah, that sucks for me and it sucks for my shop. But if it's better for you, then I'm all for it. If it means that you're going to be happier or you got a promotion in a different department, right. um, that's fantastic because that means I did something good mm -hmm. to help prepare you for that. Um, but, but yeah, no, I don't, I just, I, yeah, I tell them, no hard feelings, man. Is <laughs> go, go, go find your happiness. If, yeah, if you are exactly. not completely satisfied, like, I don't, I don't like hearing people that are just doing a job that they're not happy with. Like, I right. think there is opportunity for that. And if not, why aren't you going after it? Like, well, the cool thing about biomed now is, well, one, we, we recognize that it can be really stressful. 90% of your, of your, your work month is going to be awesome. You're going to have a couple days where your, that repair did not go as well as you thought it went, or, or you, you get put into a situation, um, where you don't know, you know, you're walking into a cath lab because you got an urgent call and they're asking you to fix something that you don't know how to fix, but that physician's, you know, down your neck on about it. So there's so many things that can be really stressful. And, and for some folks, they love that challenge. And for some folks, they don't, um, they want something a little bit less, uh, patient facing or a little bit less stressful. So, uh, the cool thing about HTM as an industry now is I feel like we're starting to branch out and 
and a lot of organizations are building more of a support structure. So say you want more of a nine from nine to five work from home job, but you still want to stay in, in biomed. Well, now there's different opportunities for that. If you want to move into like capital planning or, or sourcing where you're still helping your biomed find parts um, or project management, you know, there's different roles within uh, we're like, I, at least when I first started, it was you were a biomed or you were a manager or you were an imaging tech. And, and that was it. Um, I feel like we, there's a lot more opportunities within the industry now. The industry that we're part of, the medical device industry, is not shrinking. It is no. multiplying. Absolutely. Exponentially every year. So there's, like you said or alluded to earlier, we're going to constantly be giving uh, new responsibilities. The job is going to continue to morph, you know, because now, yeah. like Amy and others have coined, it's it's not just biomed equipment technician. It's healthcare technology management. Right. That's actually that leads right into where I'm at now. Um, you know, I started as biomed intern and now I'm director of cybersecurity for for Sedexo and the cybersecurity. If you've ever been to any uh, industry conference or expo, you know that cybersecurity is blowing up. It's there's so that many presentations on it. It's <laughs> everywhere it goes. Um, and we're just kind of at the forefront of trying to define how we do that on medical equipment because it's not straightforward. And um, and that's really exciting for me because we, we're getting the opportunity to mold how that looks, how that happens within hospital systems. Um, I get to go to different hospitals all, all across the country and I go to some and uh, they're doing some really cool advanced stuff. And I go to other other hospitals and they're like, what's cybersecurity? Um We've got some IP addresses. Is that what you mean? They just added electronic locks to their doors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, everyone's Our, in a completely different place. Yeah. Um, and that's just one avenue of it. You know, everything's, um, you know, we keeps expanding. Um, we're taking on a lot more servers and software with all these different integrations. Um, software it, integration and just everything in medical devices is just going to get more and more like, yeah, eventually it's going to be a part of the job description for everybody at some level. Maybe not. It, it, we're, we're, it's already it's something kind of, we got to think about. Yeah. You know, if you get a new applicant fresh out of school and, um, they've taken some networking classes or computer programming classes, you're like, all right, maybe, it, maybe this guy can help me out with some of these, uh, th these issues we're having. Just something as simple as installing a, a software application for a new device. Yeah. Um, I, I, one of the, one of the hospitals around here, I had to go um, install some, that they're called a, uh, it's from spot imaging. It's a uh, path mobile. They use them okay. for uh, histology cameras. Mm. So I had to, they had a mobile cart and then they had two fixed systems. So I, I did a post on LinkedIn. I, I, I put one together and it was right next to the the table where they they had the cadavers right next to the morgue, <laughs> and then the other one I put together, and there's like little organs and shit floating in jars next to me. <laughs> like you'd never know where your job's gonna take you. And I'm sitting there like, yep. all right, is it is it communicating with the with the network? Ah, oh, crap, no. There's there's firewall preventing yep. us from it. It's it's there, and it's it's just gonna become more and more uh, ingrained yeah. into the job. Is is everything? Um, I been compiling a list of everything that uh is, is network connected these days and it just keeps growing you know it's hard to buy something that doesn't have a software that comes with it or an integration to the network um you know, speaking and, of cybersecurity too i think i might have you back on if i can get this other interview lined up so one of my other um shout out to chris faulkner uh yeah I've been wanting to get him on the show. Last Amy I went to, um, I met him. I was like, dude, you'd be perfect to be on here. I'm like, that. I'd, I'd love to see you two go out, and I'd just kind of like sit back and like try to learn something. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know if you know this, but Chris Faulkner, he's he's my boss. Yeah. yeah. So he's and he is phenomenal. Like he knows so much. Every time we get on a subject, he's he's going a mile a minute about it. And he's like, a freaking database of knowledge. Yes. Like I was, so, just, he was hit my ear during that conference for a little bit. I was like, ah, this is some good information. So he's done so yeah. many cool things throughout his career too. So I, I got really lucky when I got the phone call from him to join his team. <laughs> There's so, so much to be learned. 
I say go ahead after the show, just send him an email, put me in it, and like, hey, let's get an episode <laughs> scheduled together. Like, yeah, let's talk oh, he'll stuff. be all for it. You know, he he loves to talk. He he's they say he's got so much knowledge that he wants to share and grow, and he's worked with so many good people. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll we'll make it happen. Look at that, another another episode lined up, folks. <laughs> <laughs> And it's been cool having you on. I, I know we had talked about it back in the day, but it was just, uh, man, life happens so quick. But right. you, you know, you get you got three kids. Like I'm still yeah. trying to navigate the waters of being a father and managing this and doing the job. I'm like, I can't do those those weekly episodes anymore. It's just not the cards for me. The the the, the amount of attention they demand and like i kept expecting it to get easier so like right now my kids are 7 10 and 12 and i'm like and i thought it was supposed to get like easier as they got older I'm like no they they still need the same amount yeah. of attention it's just it's shifted from more physical attention to a lot more emotional attention which in some cases is a lot harder <laughs> me me and the wife are just we're looking forward to the day that he just sleeps through the night uh he's he's 8 months <laughs> uh as pretty much when this episode airs and uh he's he's still not sleeping through the night tried every seven-year-old who still doesn't sleep through the I'm night like, so if i get that i'll be golden i'll, yeah. I'll be back in my old ways but right now i'm just i'm part zombie yeah i know you, you get to the point where you're like i can't remember the last time i wasn't tired <laughs> well, i was i was always one of those people that could remember just everything i had going on and oh. I had to bite the bullet, and now I got a whiteboard in my office over here to the oh. side. It has everything listed: uh, work, personal, bearded biomed. What needs to get accomplished? Yeah, because I, I can't remember it all anymore. And it's all got to go on a calendar with a, a reminder to to yeah. ding on your phone. <laughs> Man, uh, shout out to all the biomed dads out there and dads in general. Uh, it it's been completely life changing and like just. It's changed my view on so many things. Like everybody yeah. says, like your life's going to change, but you don't really understand it until like it's you're in the to. weeds a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't understand it until you're there and you start to feel like all the, the, the emotions that go back and forth. And I, and I learned more from them than they're learning from me. And like my capacity for everything just got bigger because of them. And, and I, I love being dad. Like it's like one of my favorite things. So <laughs> We could talk well, it, about it all day. We'll yeah, do a dad it, it, podcast it next. Home for Biomat too, man. Because like <laughs> you realize, like you got a son that could possibly be hooked up. Which I always came at that aspect from other people's kids and other people being treated. But like mm-hmm. the hospital where my son was born, I take care of their equipment. Yep. So like you know, this it's stuff like that that like really just like drives your your purpose, your perspective on things. No, I, I agree. When I was. When I was having my kids, I was uh, over the labor and delivery and the mother infant and the NICU, seeing babies every day. And it's like, and I will tell you, if you're a biomed looking for a department, the NICU, by far my favorite department of any department in the hospital I've ever uh, been over. Everyone's so happy, like 99% of the time. It is a... that's always my recommendation. You want to be in the NICU if you're a biomed. There's lots of equipment. Everyone's in a good mood. Uh, it's a place to be. <laughs> Man, so if if anybody wants to, you know, reach out to you for resources, maybe the, the Ohio Biomed Society, you know, get more information about there just in general, like where can they reach you at? Yeah, so I've got a couple different places. So, um this is for us, the HTMA Association. Again, we've got a big conference coming up February first uh, and second. Uh, February first, we're doing a big Top Golf event, so we're hoping to see a lot of people out for that. Um, but all the event details are at HTMA-OH.org, um, and then you can find me on. I'm on LinkedIn, Ryan Gonzalez, or you know, if you want to email me, it's pretty easy to remember. At, I love talking anything HTM or biomed related. Um, yeah, let's, let's reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you're you're a cool dude, man. Like, you know, there's there's few people I interact like on the social media. It's it's nice to have some of that just extra community out there that you don't realize is out there for you. And then like folks like yourself that just kind of like support others, build others yeah. up. Like, it's it's well, it's pretty cool, man. That's the benefit of of places like 
you know, I know you're active on Instagram and, and LinkedIn, all those different places. So are a bunch of other biomeds and, and they're all looking to connect. Um, now, I would say places. that Discord server is one of the best resources out there right now for anybody. So I agree. They, they have different channels of just different information out there for y'all of just mm -hmm. like, if you need a technical manual, if you have job placement concerns, if you have, you know, just general questions of how you should approach a situation, if you just want to build your, your networking, uh, like there's, if you're not on the, if you're a bioman, you're not on the discord. I, I recommend it. Even if you're, I, you know, it, it's a lot more casual, like LinkedIn, yeah, everyone's very, very professional. So. It's more just, you know, here's some cool stuff we've done. You can check out, but discord. Yeah. It's a lot more casual. Like if you need to, to know some information, that's the place to go. Well, again, man, I appreciate you being on today. It was awesome discussion. Except, don't, never need topic points. Like when you when you got folks like yourself, you can just yeah. organically have a conversation and just you know talk about what we're both passionate about. It just kind of flows. Yeah, uh, I, I was I was a bit nervous when you when you uh, said, "I oh, you know we're just gonna we're just gonna roll with it, see how the conversation goes." But like you said, it's easy. It's like sitting down for lunch with any biomed you ever met. You know. So no, I appreciate you having me on. Um, it was a great time. Uh, if you ever needed uh, another guest, let me know. We'll talk about something else. Yeah. Like I said, we'll get you and Chris on here eventually. Uh, Sounds good. Get that rolling in the background for anybody that is watching or listening, please like subscribe, leave a comment. Uh, if you're listening on Spotify, they got a little rating system with stars at the top. I appreciate it. If you just get, you know, give me your take on what you think my star <laughs> level of the show is, but any ratings appreciated uh, YouTube, you know, liking, subscribing. It just helps the algorithm helps the channel grow. Um, I'm fastly approaching 600 subscribers, which is crazy to me considering I, you know, haven't been doing it that long on YouTube um, for anybody that would like to get on the show or maybe have a suggestion for somebody that's on the show. You can just email me at chase at bearded at C H A C E. My parents decided to scar me for life, naming me that way. Um, other than that, I appreciate everyone, y'all. Appreciate the support, and may the beard be with you. Take care. Bearded. Bow, man. <laughs>